invincible. He's irresistible. Well, the heavens of heaven cannot contain him. Let alone a man excel. You can't get him out of his mind. You can't get him out of your head. You can't outlive him. And you can't live without him. G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David Brown and I'm one of the ministers at St. John's Dolby. What you just heard was the incredible preaching voice of S.M. Lockridge in his sermon, That's My King. And today's episode is a special episode because we're celebrating Christ the King, which was uh, on Sunday, the 24th of November. It's the last Sunday in the church calendar, and it's a wonderful opportunity to celebrate Jesus as our King. Without further ado, uh, we're going to listen to the sermon for Christ the King. Uh, But before I do that, I'm going to read to you the two readings that we're going to focus on in that sermon. The first comes from Luke chapter 1, verse 68 through to 79. It says this, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. The second reading is from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 to 43. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Enjoy the sermon. I haven't preached in a while and it's been a tough period, particularly because between now and last time I preached, this happened. The Springboks rugby team won the Webb Ellis Trophy. And this man, Sia Khaleesi, was crowned King Khaleesi. 
As he came from living in the slums where his grandmother who raised him was so poor that she couldn't feed him to being the first black captain to raise the Rugby World Cup. What took the edge off was how well Zoe and Ian rounded off our Prophets Minor and Major series, looking at the prophetic books in the Bible. Last week we examined the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and in it we saw God's promise that the Son of Righteousness would rise with healing in his wings, and that the prophet Elijah would come and prepare the way for him. Today we're going to see how that prophecy was fulfilled. And we're going to look at Jesus and see how he is the perfect prophet, priest and king. Jesus is king. He's the king we need. It's great to have two readings this morning from the book of Luke. As they look at, as as they both have so much to tell us about who Jesus is. Our first reading from the beginning of Luke is a song of praise from the mouthpiece of Zechariah. Zechariah was a humble priest who was was waiting for the Lord to send the Son of Righteousness, the Messiah. He's read the prophets and was faithfully waiting for the Lord to send a prophet who would make the way for the Messiah, the chosen king, who would save his country, which at the time was going down the toilet. In the 400 years since Malachi, things had gone from bad to worse. Rome had taken control of Israel and installed a puppet king, Herod, who had married his sister-in-law and made a mockery of the Jewish faith. The king was meant to be a shining light, helping the people to see and follow God, but instead they were giving up hope in God and becoming like their king, who was cruel, corrupt and godless. Somehow, though, a faithful remnant clung on to hope. People like Zechariah held on to the promises of the prophets. That God would send a savior king who would rule over God's people and restore the kingdom to its former glory. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth hadn't been able to have children. So the couple were constantly judged by others. Zechariah had no power, money or influence. But one day things changed. He won the religious lotto and was chosen to go and burn incense in the Holy of Holies, right in the heart of the temple. This was an honour, but it was also very dangerous. No one except one priest was allowed into the Holy of Holies and only once a year. So they would offer sacrifices and wash to make themselves acceptable before God, knowing that if they... An unholy person came into the presence of a holy God, they might die on the spot. The priest would wear a rope around their waist, just in case they were struck down, and the other priest had to pull them out from behind the curtain that separated that space from the rest of the temple. So Zechariah makes his way into the Holy of Holies. There he meets an angel who tells him that he will have a son who will come in the spirit of Elijah. Fulfilling the prophecy of Malachi, who he is to name John, a name which means God has been gracious. Zechariah doesn't believe this since he and his wife are past it. And in response, the angel takes away his ability to speak and hear for nine months until the baby is born. How many of you wives in this room wish you had the power to do that to your husband? 
Anyway, when John is born, Zechariah's relatives want to call his baby Zechariah. But dad writes down, his name is John. And all of a sudden, his tongue is released and he bursts into a song of praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. It's a joyous outburst of worship. Sure, Zechariah hasn't spoken for over nine months. But this is a bomb of praise that explodes from thousands of years of waiting for God to bring forth his chosen saviour. Zechariah recounts how God's promises through the prophets send a saviour. To send a saviour, one that would fulfil God's promises to King David, that one day one of his descendants would reign over God's people forever, is fulfilled. It's fulfilled in the baby that Zechariah's son will make the way for. Jesus is the ultimate fulfilment of all the prophets. He's the son of righteousness of Malachi. The suffering servant of Isaiah. The one who ushers in the new covenant of Jeremiah. The ancient of days of Daniel. The pierced saviour of Zechariah. The redeemer of Ruth. And the baby born in Bethlehem of Micah. All the prophets point to Jesus. And when Zechariah hears that his king is coming. All he can do is worship. John is born, and just as Zechariah prophesies, he encourages people to turn their lives over to God and be baptized. And when John meets Jesus, he says, I am not worthy to untie his sandals. Friends, this week I had to explain to an RI class that Christmas is about Jesus, not Santa. This is because so many of us have been living as if Jesus isn't king That all history is pointing to. Zechariah understood this. And as he prophesied. He spoke God's words about the saviour. If you want to experience joy. Hope. Love. Then you need to know the king the prophet spoke about. And as you do. God will turn you into a prophet of the most high. We are called. We are called to call people back to Jesus. We don't need to go to Bible college or work at a church to share the gospel. We just need to be on fire for King Jesus. Today, God is calling us all to be prophets of King Jesus. Using all we have to know our King. And make him known. Zechariah's song uses the language of rescue in verse 74. To help us understand what this suffering servant king will do. He is coming, verse 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And to enable us to serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness. Before him all our days. Now remember that Zechariah was a priest 
And he knew the only way for imperfect people like us to be made right before God was through blood sacrifice. As we sin, we reject the life God has given us and we sign our own death warrant. We condemn ourselves to life in hell outside of God's goodness and graciousness. Everything we have in the now comes from God and as we reject God, we forfeit his goodness. Zechariah and others like him trusted that God would one day send a saviour who would bring healing from sin and make peace between God and people. Zechariah doesn't know how God will do this, but we do. And this is the point in the sermon where I'd like to pivot and turn to our second reading from Luke 23 on page 1313 of your Bibles. You see, the king the prophet spoke about is a suffering servant. God has shown relentless love and mercy despite the people's sin. But the prophets also spoke about judgment. It's here we see King Jesus is our great high priest. Verse 33. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. One of the greatest theologians of our day, Wayne Grudem, points out that God gave three offices of ministry to his people. Prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets were God's mouthpiece, speaking God's words. Priests mediated between people and God. Kings were there to protect and lead God's people. Here on the cross, we see Jesus mediating between God and people. Father, forgive them, he calls out. Jesus is asking God to forgive the same people who drove nails through his wrists, jeered at him, and hung him on a cross. Jesus' altar is a place called the skull, and he is offering himself... In the darkest hour, Jesus isn't thinking about himself. He's praying for us and sacrificing his life for ours. Jesus knows his death is the only path to our forgiveness, his lifeblood for ours. As Jesus is enthroned upon the cross, the soldiers jeer in verse 37 and say, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. But that's just it. Jesus isn't like the kings the soldiers knew. If he was, he'd be saving himself. Instead, he's dying so that they might live. The kings they know demand sacrifice, dominate through violence, and play power games to keep the throne. But Jesus is enthroned on a cross. He refuses to save himself And rule others with force. Above Jesus' head reads a sign in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. Three languages that would have been understood by anyone watching Jesus being killed. The irony is cutting. But you can also feel the glory. The sign was meant to deter anyone from following Jesus' path. And yet there are still people following King Jesus today. When those languages are forgotten. As Jesus breathes his last, he's surrounded not by royal servants, 
but criminals, soldiers and desperate friends and family who think they are seeing their hopes dashed. But really their hopes should be rising. Because here is a king who doesn't rule with violence, power or privilege. Here is a king who rules with love. Friends, this is why Christians should be ready to suffer for love. If we are to follow King Jesus, then we shouldn't let it knock us when life doesn't go our way. We shouldn't lose our cool when people make fun of us or write us off. If they did it to Jesus, then it's an honour for us to be treated like our King. And if Jesus is our great High Priest who represents us before God, then we should rejoice in our friendship with Him and the free access we have to Him. We can pray to him. We can worship him whatever we like. We can come on Sunday and hear his word proclaimed and sing his praises. We can also be priests praying for others and bringing them to God. We can sit down with friends and read the Bible. We can phone people up just to hear how they're going. We can give of our time, our talents and our material possessions to help others. If Jesus gave his life, then there is no way we can outgive Jesus. And there is nothing we can give up for him that is more precious than what he has given us. I once had a friend who was trying to figure out the world. He was the son of missionaries, but was giving up on God to chase girls and a career. But he was also passionate about politics. And we would have great debates about what political system worked best and why others were so messed up. Finally, he said to me, David, what the world needs is a benevolent dictator. One person with all the power to change the world who would use this power to care for others. I told him he just described Jesus. Jesus is the king the prophet spoke about. Jesus is the suffering servant king who died on our behalf. And Jesus is king of kings. Lord of lords, now and forever. Look at Luke twenty-three thirty-nine. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. This is the crunch point. This is why I want you to make Jesus your king, but why I can't make you. Either side of Jesus, there are two criminals. Both worthy of judgment and punishment, who, at the, who look at the whole world through totally different eyes. The one curses Jesus, but demands that he use his power to make his life better. Friends, so often we take this route. We treat Jesus like garbage. We give him the scraps of our time, of our affection and of our energy, but call on him to help us and to save us all the same. We curse Jesus by living as if he doesn't matter, then ply him with our demands and get angry when he doesn't deliver. This is why our attitude toward King Jesus matters. The first criminal is an example of what life is like when we reject Jesus as king. The first criminal may have had the most wonderful or the most difficult life. We don't know. But what we see here is at the end, he is filled with hatred and despair. Perhaps you've experienced this combination and have wondered where this feeling comes from. 
It comes from rejecting Jesus as king. In June last year, rapper Kanye West released his eighth studio album. It shot to the top of the charts, but the lyrics were some of the most depressing and hopeless words ever recorded. The album got rave reviews because lots of people could relate to the lyrics and found, them, found in them something of their experience. At the time, Kanye's family, business empire and mental health were in breakdown. Fast forward to 2019, and at the end of October, Kanye came out with a gospel album called, you guessed it, Jesus is King. Here are some of the lyrics from his album. Everything that have breath, praise the Lord. Worship Christ with the best of your portions. I know I won't forget all he's done. He's the strength in the race that I run. Every time I look up, I see God's faithfulness. And it shows just how much he is miraculous. I can't keep it to myself. I can't sit here and be still. Everybody I will tell till the whole world is healed. King of kings, Lord of lords, all the things he has in store. From the rich to the poor, all are welcome through the door. You won't ever be the same when you call on Jesus' name. Listen to the words I'm saying. Jesus, save me now, I'm saying. Today, in interview after interview, Kanye shares his story of how King Jesus changed his heart, saved his family, and healed the hurt and healed the hurt in his heart. If the Yay album was the first criminal on Calvary, then Jesus is King reflects the second criminal in verse 40. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him. I tell you the truth. Today you will be with me. In paradise. Jesus proclaims a heavenly hope. To this condemned criminal. In his last action before his death. King Jesus gives a royal pardon. To someone who by their own confession. Is worthy of punishment. He's not protesting his innocence or demanding Jesus give him what he wants. He's humbly making Jesus his king and putting his life in Jesus' hands. Friends, there is nothing we can do to make God love us more. Paradise was the place people believed good people went to before the end of time when all people who ever lived would be raised to life and judged. Those in paradise would be led into God's presence in heaven. But most people thought this would be based on how good a life they lived. The criminal on the cross is honest. And if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that we don't deserve to be in the presence of a perfect God. Because we haven't lived perfect lives. All the second criminal asks is that Jesus remember him. But Jesus gives him utmost security of eternal life in heaven. 
we see that our present and our future depends on who King Jesus is in our life. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, tells us that the gates are wide open. But we cannot be members of the God's of of God's kingdom if we refuse to acknowledge the king. So friends, this is crunch time. I'm now going to pray to God and give you the opportunity to dedicate your life to King Jesus, perhaps for the first time or for the umpteenth time. It doesn't matter. What matters is the posture of your heart. It's never too late to turn to Jesus, but you may never have another opportunity to do so. King Jesus will turn your life upside down for the better, both now and forever.